It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Good Wednesday morning to you. And I can see some of your commentary coming in on the first semi-final in the Eurovision Song Contest. I heard Ken on The Breakfast Show this morning. He really enjoyed it last night. I have to say I sat down and watched it uh, as as well and well done to Italy and everybody involved in Turin. It was quite a spectacular show for a first semi-final because you think they're holding back on the best for Saturday night and that was quite a stunner of a show last night. Of course everybody was waiting for Act Number 6 to come out on stage last night and of course Country Number 6 was was Ukraine with their Eurovision entry. We already knew and they have been for the last number of weeks the firm favourite to win the competition this uh, year and they received a prolonged standing ovation uh, when they came out on stage last night and the lead singer Oleg who uh, had actually formed a volunteer organisation. He set it up himself and it's to help refugees from the Russian invasion and he of course finished the song just by saying thank you for, for, for supporting Ukraine and see me the whole arena was bathed in the blue and yellow of Ukraine and of course they're down one band member one band member had to be replaced because he's actually fighting in Kiev at the moment so it's quite sad to think of that as well and I just I thought they put on a cracker of uh, uh, performance and a lot of people are liking the song as well besides the fact that, you know that there's huge support for Ukraine at the moment but they definitely are the ones to a beat and there was 10 um, nine along with uh, Ukraine got through last night and it was good to see a lot of the females who simply came out on stage and just sang or maybe sang and played a guitar a lot of those seemed to have qualified last night I mean Lithuania qualified that was the girl in that gorgeous sparkly figure hugging uh, a dress Again, it was a gorgeous ballot. Uh, Switzerland had uh, Marius Bear with Boys Don't Cry. Again, he was just dressed all in black and it was one of those other simple ballads. The Netherlands had that blonde girl dressed in black and it just looked like she had she had trousers on, didn't she? And, and a black jacket. I kept thinking, if that jacket pops open, I don't know if she's wearing a brand underneath it. But again... Beautiful voice and a very simple ballad. Uh, Moldova was the totally nuts song, uh, but catchy song. And as I heard Ken say this morning that he really liked it. Portugal, I thought, was stunning. Six girls standing in a circle on stage. It looked like they were oblivious to the audience. They just seemed to be singing to each other. thought that was a beautiful, beautiful little song. Iceland were the girls with the guitars. Again, very simple song. Greece had that beautiful girl in the white, the long white dress. 
uh, fine uh, singer. Um, Armenia then was the girl sitting on the bed who was ripping things off the wall. She got through. And then Norway, the one that none of us can quite understand how they managed to get through. That's uh, give that wolf a banana. But then who are we to talk? As somebody has already pointed out by uh, text, uh, the when it comes to Eurovision Song Contest, Ireland lost all respect the time we decided to send Dustin the turkey. Well, we certainly are not sending Dustin the turkey this time round. We're sending Brooke Scully in from Derry. She's Ireland's hopeful and she'll take part tomorrow night in the second semi-final and we wish Brooke the very best even just to get her to qualify because it makes all the difference when you're watching it on Saturday night when your country is uh, involved. And then Marie was on to us this morning to say good morning to you Patricia just a little bit about the Eurovision Song Contest last night. What the bloody hell was the Albanian entry? doing. And what was it all about? I'm not a prude, says Anne Marie, but I actually found looking at her quite disturbing and so did other members of my family. It's hardly a surprise that she didn't qualify. The song was called Secret and I actually laughed when Marty Whelan said afterwards, well, her secret isn't a secret anymore. It was just awful. Thanking you, Marie. And just to jog your memory, Albania was the first act out on stage blonde girl, scantily clad and she had four or five, four male backing dancers wearing skirts. You have to have man wearing a skirt in the Eurovision uh, Song Contest and could you describe it as her giving it her all? She certainly did and I actually saw after the Eurovision last night when I was just taking a look online to the reaction to the first semi-final, she was actually praised for her sex positive performance. So, uh, so what some people are saying, well done on her sex positive performance, Armory, who said she's no prude, but she just found the whole uh, that for, it was, as I say, it was the first song. If you watched it last night, you'll know exactly what we are talking about. Would you agree or disagree with Marie? Was it all a little bit disturbing? 0818 103 103. It got me thinking when we had Dana up sitting on a little stool uh, winning the Eurovision Song Contest back in 1970. The Eurovision Song Contest certainly has changed. Now, some of we're already getting calls into the programme and we've had a call in from Mick and I welcome your calls and comments on this. Mick is on about, there's so much talk going on at the moment about the National Maternity Hospital and there's the, the row that's going on, particularly between the opposition parties and the government uh, parties over whether, whether there will be any religious influence over the National Maternity Hospital with it moving to St. Vincent's and even though the hospitals are paying, the government are paying to point out there won't be any religious influence. There are some people within opposition and some people within society that are nervous about it. So this row has been going on now for quite some weeks at this stage and Mick is making the point particularly with the opposition who are critical of the government and are fearful that there will be some religious influence over the new maternity hospital. He said how can they do that when every time they go into the Dáil or the Senate they have to stand up and say a prayer. Mick says is it time for the prayer that's done before all sessions at the Dáil and the Senate, is it time for it to go? He says with all this talk about removing religion from influence in our hospital about removing religion from our schools. Why then 
in our national parliament, Dáil Éireann, do they still have to say a prayer every time the Dáil has a session? And just while the news was on, I just did a quick search to see what I could find out about other parliaments. And, you know, are we... How many other parliaments around the world actually start every session with a prayer? It seems we are not the only one. And I found a piece that was from 2017. Now I'll try this afternoon and do a little bit more updated research on this uh, because back in in 2017, now I found lots of other links as well, that there has been many, many debates within the Dáil about whether it is appro- appropriate or not in a modern Parliament that we should start uh, every single session with a prayer. Some people were saying and some government, some elected uh, politicians have said that we should be scrapping the prayer and instead perhaps replacing it with a moment of silence or a moment of reflection uh, because that does happen in other parliaments. And I know in 2012, a 30 second period of reflection was included in the Senate and they do that before the prayer, but they do the prayer uh, as as well. But what I didn't realise until I did my little search there during the, uh, during the news, it is actually a requirement under the Dáil rules that a sitting cannot begin without the prayer being read out and there was one day of a bit of a panic when the Keown Corla got into panic mode because he couldn't find the prayer you know it's normally obviously on his desk and he reads it out and he couldn't find it and there was a little bit of panic going on and the doll couldn't start until the prayer was read out. So are we the only country to say a prayer in Parliament? We're not. According to an Oireachtas Library and Research Service they found that there are only eight of the 24 European parliaments with no prayers in the plenary session. Some actually have religious services, while 14 have neither prayers in the the, uh, sessions or any uh, religious services. Six countries, including Ireland, do either say a prayer are a silent reflection. Ireland, Australia, Canada, South Africa, the US and our neighbours across the water, uh, the UK, they also do a prayer as well. But then a huge amount of people do, do no prayer and have, have absolutely no reflection. Some actually have a little bit of a religious service, including Denmark, Estonia, Finland, Germany, Hungary, Iceland, um, and then countries that don't have any include uh, Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark and on and on that list uh, goes. Uh, so we're not the only country but what I didn't know was it is actually a requirement under the Dáil rule so the rule would actually have to change. But anyway, back to mix point. Should we be getting rid of it? And it does seem that there has been periods in the past where there was attempts made, where there was discussions, for example, in the Dáil. Back in 2011, there was a discussion and a call to end the daily prayer in the Dáil and in the uh, Senate. And uh, there was a number of people took part in it. I'm just glancing over it here. Uh, the call to end the prayer was made by Labour TD uh, Aidan O'Reardon and Independent Senator Ivana Babchik. She was an independent senator then. She's now, of course, the leader of the Labour Party. But that was back in uh, 2011 where a debate was held as to whether it should be scrapped or not. Is it time to scrap 
the prayer at the start of all of our sessions at the Dáil or the Senate or would other people say we need that prayer more than ever. And well done to uh, Patrick and Gardner's Hill to say Patricia off to Turin tomorrow. I've got tickets for the final on Saturday night. Come on Brooke. Oh, enjoy every single minute of it. Uh, hi Patricia, your your vision definitely changed from the time of our own Dana sitting on a stool uh, like a little, lo- little lost innocent schoolgirl from that to Dana International who also won the Eurovision Song Contest. It does look like the wackier the act seems to win now. And hi Patricia, this is from Mags. We thought the first half of the Eurovision Song Contest, the first semi-final was brilliant last night. Mags said particularly loved Switzerland. That was that Marius Bear, the guy in his own with a very simple ballad. I liked that as well. Uh, also loved the Bulgarian song. That didn't get through, sure didn't. And the Moldovian song which was the one I described as being totally nuts but a very catchy song but Mags said the Moldovian song the band were like Madness that's exactly what they were like I was watching them last night and said who do they remind me of they remind me of Madness they do uh, Mags really enjoy, enjoyed it come on Brooke says Mags thank you for that and some of your commentary in on the doll prayer and should we get rid of the doll uh, prayer uh, we need prayer in our national parliament more than ever says Michael the Lord is our rock and salvation we would simply be living in a void without him. Someone else says, what is all the fuss about saying a prayer in the doll? Prayer is no load to anyone. I was a patient in the Bond Secure Hospital in Cork recently and it was so nice to see saints' names on the wards and religious el- emblems retained there. Why should we change what generations cherished so much before us? And just to... Uh, just to fill you in on the, the now I don't know if it has come up since but back in 2011 there was a call to end the prayer about the Dáil and the Senate and at the time in a statement it was said the political system must take, this is the reason why we should get rid of the prayer, the political system must take a lead when striving to create a republic where all are equal and all are seen to be equal. The continuing use of the Christian prayer in the formal business of the Oireachtas is disrespectful to those of other religions and those who do not adhere to any particular religion. And the prayer, by the way, calls on members to be inspired and assisted by God in their uh, actions. And we are in a very changed world from, say, when the doll was first put in place and when that prayer was first designed. And I think that point on that statement, which at the time was from uh, Labour TD, Aidan O'Reardon, and the then independent senator, Ivana Babchik was the fact that you know we're living in a multicultural society we have many different religions now in this country and we've many different religions and none we have people who don't believe in any religions uh, at all and is it disrespectful to people of other religions that we use a Christian prayer at the start of our doll sessions 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Well, we spoke yesterday about the possible closure of Blarney Post Office. The same issue is of concern down west, where a campaign is underway to save the post office in Goline Village. Fianna Fáil Deputy uh, Christopher Sullivan uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Christopher. Hey, Patricia. Now, it's the same as Blarney on post, say, they're doing everything they can to get an applicant to take over the running of the post office. It's the, the, we need people to apply for this position. Yeah, it's, it, it's certainly a similar situation. Now, 
my hope is that the situation in Goline uh, will be easier to to rectify, and, and I'll touch on that in a minute. But um, it, it's 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 very similar in that this retail partnership model um, it, it essentially means that these post offices are run as businesses essentially. So instead of having a a premises that is the post office, your traditional post office, where you have staff operating it and they're paid a salary. In this instance, it's, it's these um, are based within uh, retail outlets. Or in this instance, in Goline, you have a, a cafe, um, and the services run out of there. But um, you know, it, it, just just to speak on on the on Goline, obviously you know well where it is. It's in the it's, it's the most uh, it, it would be the most southwesterly post office in Ireland. It's a stunning location on on the tip of the of the Mizzenhead. Now the the scenario here in Goline is that you have um, the along the way cafe, which is a popular cafe in Goline Village, um, and you have the post office in the same premises. So it's it's a lovely synergy relationship where you can go in for your coffee and your scone or your cake um, and you can do your um, on post duties or perhaps collect your pension uh, as well at the same time so it, it, it's a fantastic setup um, but Brida Buckley who's the postmaster there um, Brida has uh, taken the decision to retire on May 31st now that you know, Breda has done such an unbelievable service uh, to the people of Goline um, and the Mizzen Peninsula. She's uh, when I say she's highly regarded, um, you know, that's not uh, an overstatement. She's incredibly highly regarded by uh, the people down there. She's done an incredible service for so many years, built up relationships. But you know, everything. Everything has a lifespan and everything has yeah, a time. And, and we did we did reach out to Breda and I know uh, John Paul spoke with her uh, yesterday and uh, she's we, we we'd love to have spoken with her on, on air but she's shy about it all which which is which is fine but you know she was saying like she's uh, twenty three years doing it she's enjoyed every moment of it you know she spoke about all the lovely local people but also all the tourists she's met over the years but she, just the time now has come for her to move on and she is she's really saddened if nobody takes it over. Exactly and that's the fantastic thing about Brida. Not only has she run an amazing service there for so many years um, but she is head and tail uh, of this campaign to try and recruit somebody to take over the position. And look, I can't obviously speak for Brida um, but you know, I, I certainly think that there may be potentially a solution there in that you have um, the cafe there, you have a service and a counter in place that's already set up. It probably may have to be modified, but I know potentially a Brida, if the right person came along, there may be a discussion that could be had there about keeping the uh, post office in the same place. But um, my, I suppose, the campaign that that, that I've started up on social media, it's had uh, almost 300 shares now on social media where I, I began a campaign to, to um, try to find if there was an interested person out there who would like perhaps maybe a change of lifestyle or a change of location or uh, have the option. I mean, people are moving to coastal communities in their droves, particularly during lockdown. This could be a really, really uh, good option for someone. Yeah, but but the, the, the elephant in the room here, Christopher, is to try, for, for whoever takes this on, is to try to make it financially viable. The problem that we have is postmasters, postmistresses are paid on the volume of the transactions that they do in every branch. And obviously, in a smaller rural branch, they don't do as many uh, transactions. And the big problem is to make it, you know, financially viable for somebody to, to at least draw a wage out of it. 
that's definitely a challenge. But uh, ju- just to update you, since uh, the campaign online, which I only launched on Monday, there has been a, a massive interest in the position. Now, perhaps, uh, and there needs to be a full understanding that this isn't a paid position, this isn't a, a salary-paying position, that you have to run it as a business. But certainly, there is a high level of interest, and many people have got in touch with OnPost. They've either got in touch with, with them via me, um, and we've sent on their details, in which case I'm post operations team will be in touch with them or else they've sent their CVs or their expression of interest directly uh, to Angus Laverty within OnPost. So there is interest there. So, I mean, it, it is an option and a viable option that people are looking on. But you make an, a very valid point, Patricia, uh, and it's something that we can't ignore. They're paid on the volume of transactions. Now, having said that, I, I was speaking to Brida during the week um, and we had very little time to talk because she had a queue of people at the counter uh, waiting for her to deal with. So, I mean, down in places like the Mizzen, head where you have an aging population uh, where you know this may be their only means of collecting a pension where they can't do um, online transactions it just simply isn't an option for them um, or they can't make it all the way into skull and there's it's a good old distance between Colleen and skull yeah, uh, yeah. which is where they intend to transfer their accounts um, but, you know, but, they're, they're, but they're, it also means that other local people need to start transferring some of their business to post offices there is, I mean look there, there's certainly uh, I suppose a personal behaviour element that that'll help the post office and help maintain rural post office but listen the government and I'm here uh, talking to you as a government TD, TD Patricia we can't wash our hands of this we need to strategise and come up with a, a policy uh, within these rural post offices where we can drive um, not just financial transactions but just general activities through post offices so for example and I know Minister Hilda Garden Arkton is uh, drawing up a strategy in this regard. I know Fianna Fáil, um, uh, many of the rural backbenchers within Fianna Fáil have put together a policy document about how we can save these post offices. And there's some very, very, uh, what I would describe as commonsensical proposals in there where you diversify the use of these post offices. So, for example, we know at the moment there's a massive issue uh, with uh, collecting driver's licenses or, or applying for driver's license. This is a function that could be done uh, within post offices and, and the post um, master or the person operating the post office uh, could uh, charge a fee and take an income that way. You have things like SUSE grants that could be administered and filled out perhaps within the local rural post office. Sustainable Energy Ireland grants, for example, not many people know this, but if you're, um, if you're on fuel allowance, you are automatically entitled to a 100% grant-aided warmer home screen to, to insulate your attic and cavity walls. But these could be administered. At the moment, it's all centralised. It's all centralised. Yeah, but we, and all, much of it we is also online. need on post to give the commitment that they do want these small post offices to remain open. I mean, they they removed the the sorting of posts from Goleen Skull and uh, Bally de Hob. I mean, that that was an, a, a major loss of income to the post offices. It was, and it certainly makes running it as a profitable business uh, more challenging. I will say this though: uh, in, in my conversations with on post, as soon as I was made aware that the the Goleen Post Office will be closing on May 31st. Um, they, I have to take them at face value, Patricia. They are saying that they want to do everything they can to ensure that a uh, service remains in Goleen. Now, having said that, my only doubt is that they said they advertised the position in March and April. 
um, they said that they had only one expression of interest and that expression of interest didn't come to anything. Now, I would have a serious question mark as to where it would have been advertised. I'd imagine if, you know, C103, Patricia has massive listenership down in the Mizzen. And um, we certainly didn't advertise it. Exactly, you didn't yeah. advertise it. You know, publications like, for example, the Southern, Southern Star, Star the yeah. People, yeah. they weren't advertised there. So I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd question where, okay. where they advertised it. Okay, yet so when I start this campaign, you have this huge uptake in interest. People contacted me privately saying that that is a position that I'd love to well have. Well done. Well done. Stay there because I want to bring in uh, Mary who uh, uses the post office in, in Godine because I just want to get a sense of uh, from local people. Uh, good morning to you, Mary. Hi, Patricia. How are things? I'm, I'm very good. Now, you you use this post office and so you uh, you know the outstanding work that's been done by the postmistress, uh, Breda uh, Buckley. What would it mean if the post office in Godine was to close? It would be absolutely devastating for everybody. I mean, I, I drive, I can get to other places. However, like if I have to head off into Skibbereen to pay a check in, into the bank or get some money out because I need the cash, then that's like a 50 mile an hour or a 50 mile round trip. And I think especially for the older people and for anybody who doesn't want to drive into Skull, first, I don't think they'll be able to be able to park in Skull in the summertime especially and people with mobility issues, it's going to be devastating for them. And, you know, when you go to the post office, you might meet somebody else. You might go to the pub for a pint. You'll head off into the butchers for your meat mm. or whatever. Or you might have a coffee. It's a kind of a, there's a social, a social side. Yeah, absolutely, there's a, there's a social side to it. And, and I think you're right when you say not every elderly person um, has a car or drives or feel com- it feels comfortable about driving so there they're going to be reliant on other people to take them or they're going to end up getting it paid in, into their bank and they lose that whole that social side of just getting out every Friday to pick up their pension Exactly and there's an awful lot of them who don't, actually don't have a bank account they want the cash in their hand so that they can decide what they're going to spend it on throughout the week until they get their next cash the following week so um, so really a real sense of loss if this closes at the end of the month massive sense of loss I mean it feels like we're an endangered species out here <laughs> and they're trying to make us extinct and it's such know? and it's such a beautiful neck of the woods I think uh, Christopher is right for anybody who wants a complete career change and to relocate you couldn't relocate uh, to anywhere more beautiful and Christopher the one thing that we really saw and there were a shining light during the pandemic was the role of the local post offices yeah, and that's an important point. I just want to commend Mary there. Mary has probably described the role of Goalin Post Office and how important it is to the village better than I could ever have. Fantastic point in that it's not just the transaction that happened within the post office, but you then you go into the local butcher, you go into the local shop, um, it just it drives that local economy. And if you lose that, you reduce the footfall within villages like Goalin, which is so important. But fair play to Mary. And I know Mary has spearheaded this campaign as well. But just keep us updated on it, uh, Christopher, particularly your contacts with um, Post. Certainly, and I, and I think, you know, I really hope uh, something comes out of this campaign. We've have, had many expressions of interest, and I hope that some arrangement can be come to. But if not, then maybe we should look at starting up some type of, um, you know, activity group down there, which are proactive action group, I would call it, that would try and uh, solve this problem. Because Goline, okay. really, really, because of where it is geographically, it needs a post office. All right. Listen, we'll leave it there. It's an issue we'll come thank back you. to again. But thanks uh, for joining us. Thank you to Mary um, joining us from Goline.
Jolene, but also uh, to West Cork Doll Deputy Fianna Falls, Christopher O'Sullivan. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We've already been talking about the Eurovision Song Contest this morning on the programme with the first semi-final on last night and our Brooke Scullion flying the flag for Ireland tomorrow night in semi-final number two. Well, it isn't just Brooke representing Ireland this week because this Friday, Capabui National School in West Cork will represent Ireland in the School of Vision Song Contest with their entry, Dance Your Worries Away. Joining me from this small, mixed two-teacher primary school is the principal and that is Norma Healy. Good morning to Norma. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? (laughs) We have an excited, happy bunch here in Capabui this morning. (laughs) How many pupils in total? 22 in total. 22 across all classes. Across all okay. classes, all right. junior infants to sixth class, one big happy or small happy family. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> now, Norma, your school, no stranger. You won this song contest last year. We did, and the previous year. So this is, we're going for the three in a row this year. <laughs> um, so um, back in 2020, there were only 10 schools getting involved because even though it's been, it's an e-twinning initiative, and um, so that's a platform for educators, and this is one of the projects. It's been running since 2009, but because of lockdown um, the uh, and children and remote learning, the um, there weren't that many entries in, in 2020. So we were actually approached by the organiser to submit her song, One Small Change, which was our first song, which went viral, uh, Climate Change Rap. And um, so 10 schools involved, we won that. And then last year, there were 21 schools involved and it went down to the last vote and we beat Norway. <laughs> um, they were in second place as well in 2020 by three votes and that was really exciting. And this year, there are 31 um, countries involved with, mm, with schools from all over Europe representing uh, their areas. Now, can um, you just explain how the judging works? So the judging is done by the schools themselves. So we've been very busy listening to the 30 other songs that are involved and the children then um, vote their favourite and uh, definitely Ukraine is up there this year. They have a beautiful um, entry and um, they're really, you know, taking it very seriously. So they vote and we have a casting vote, but really... It, our our opinions kind of dovetail with the kids so we will submit those this evening and then there's live voting then on Friday we won't know the results until each um, country um, calls out their results and we'll be calling out ours as well so at 9 o'clock um, Friday morning we'll all be here bright and early because it starts at um, 10 a.m. Central European time, but we're obviously an hour behind. Yeah. And um, so that's that's how it will all the videos, and because you have to put a video together as well. You don't perform live. You have to put a video for We us. put a video together. So we're very lucky here in the school in that a past pupil of mine, um, Elaine Lucy, is um, works with a company in Cork Aperture Media, and she's a senior video editor. So she has been helping us out. Um, the first year, she did it um, with us. Um, kind of freelance and then we were commissioned by um, Creative Ireland we were Creative Ambassadors Junior Ambassadors for 2020 on the strength of our first song and they commissioned a second song for Crin Nanoldi so we had two songs one in 19, 2019 one in 2020 and this is our third one and who and wrote been, the song? the kids so with 
Gary McCarthy, GMC Beats. You may have heard yeah, of him. Yeah, I have indeed. Yeah, he does, um, comes into schools and does a workshop, a song in a day workshop, and that's how it all kicked off. So they, they compose, record, and he produces the song. So the song is pretty much ready at the end of the school day. But it's all the kids' ideas. So we would have done brainstorming in advance. And uh, the second song we did was done completely remotely because we were um, in lockdown. Yeah. Um, but we special permission and government letters to travel to the school for a 13-hour day. And we recorded out of doors. But this year it, we, it was uh, indoors just before the children were wearing masks. So it was a moment in time. And then we recorded in Gugambara there just 10 days ago. And uh, well, I've seen. I, w- I watched. <laughs> yeah, I watched the. I watched it yesterday. It's 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 just fantastic. And the song, like "Dance Your Worries Away," it's a wish for the world. It it is, it is such an appropriate song yeah, yeah. for where we are at the moment. It was, Absolutely. It's, I thought from start to finish, it made me smile. It really is beautiful. Thank now, you so much. Yeah, it <laughs> really is. It's it's incredible. And and obviously, you know, everyone's thoughts are with Ukraine. And what in Ukraine's is is powerful. I mean, it, it is uh, powerful as well. Uh, yeah. But I just thought from it's from a, a small school with two teachers and 22 kids. My God, the talent that is Absolutely. in Capabui. And we're, we're, we're so blessed because everyone from junior infants to sixth class, everybody is a voice and take, takes part. So we, everybody has a role. So it's lovely. So we're all very invested in it. So it even makes it all the more exciting. And absolute credit to parents who recorded clips at home with their children and we were communicating over and back and that would go on over a weekend and they were sending little video clips to um, Elaine and it, it it's just the whole school community gets involved and everybody is behind us as well, which is lovely. And the, I imagine the children absolutely love being involved. Do you like being involved, folks? And no homework on Friday, I take it, is there? Oh, no, there's never homework on Friday anyway. But we're here busy doing flags and uh, decorating our classroom because we'll be beaming into schools all over Europe for the live voting so it's uh, it's an exciting time for us all uh, it, is, it is just incredible we will be keeping our fingers and toes and everything crossed for your little school on Friday and with your permission we, we, can we share your video on our social media platforms absolutely oh, we'd great. be absolutely thrilled and delighted and um People can actually listen into the other songs as well. It's up there on the School of Vision um, blog spot, just to Google School of Vision 2022. And um, it's just wonderful to be part of it all. So it is. Well, listen, just to be representing Ireland, you're winners, you're winners to us. Absolutely. So well done. Thank you. Well, Thank well you. done. And enjoy Friday because that's what it's about as well. OK, do you want to say slán, everybody? Thanks a million. That is uh, Norma Healy, and it sounds like a terrific atmosphere in that two teacher school in Capamore, Capabui, my apologies, in West uh, Cork, flying the flag and representing Ireland in the School of Vision Song Contest on Friday. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Premier League Live is back for a special end of season show. Not this weekend, the following again, Sunday, May the 22nd. You can join Trevor Welsh from 3 on c103.ie, powered by Talk Sport. We'll have live coverage, commentary and interviews so you can follow all the dramatic twists and turns for the final day of the Premier League for this season. That's the Premier League Live online would now stream live Premier League action with the now sports, our sports extra membership but you can listen on Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your cause and a text in from a listener to say Hi Patricia, yesterday evening I drove past the soccer club in Canturk where I saw a high Mac track machine tearing down every bush and vegetation from the ditches from a farm just beyond the pitch a few minutes later, I passed the service station on the main Mallow Killarney Road and opposite I saw the same design. We're right in the middle of the bird nesting season. Is this work actually allowed at this time of year? Surely the Green Party, who are in government at the moment, will be better off trying to stop this kind of environmental abuse than prosecuting people burning a bit of turf to keep themselves warm during the year. Does this vegetation not absorb carbon? Also the pollinators, the insects and all kinds of mammals will find their habitat and their homes wiped out. Our hedgerows are beginning to become a thing of the past, says a uh, texter. So we got on to the council because the listener is right. We are in the season where there's a ban on hedge cutting at the moment. So we got on to the council just to find out what's going on don't know who was involved with it yesterday and should they be doing what they were what they were doing and the council's response is that uncut hedges and trees are a serious road safety hazard and they can cause substantial damage to vehicles particularly heavy goods vehicles now they tell us that landowners and occupiers are required to fell cut log trim or remove those trees ditches and hedges but they do say all the necessary work and this is the word should be carried out when the hedges are dormant and the hedges are dormant between the start of September and the end of uh, February and that's why from the end of February through to the end of August that's the time of the of the year that everyone is told not to cut leave the hedges alone uh, for the for the birds and the other habitat uh, roadside hedges that they also point out only make up a small percentage of the overall hedgerows in the country but most of our hedgerows are obviously are not out on land are not out on the roadside they're in 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 on farmers' fields, and they're left to grow wild, and they're left uh, for the birds. But it, it it's kind of one of those dilemmas, really, because how often do we get calls in from people who will cite a particular stretch of road and saying who is responsible for the hedgerow on such and such a row, a road? I've just lost a wing mirror. Certainly, the heavy goods vehicles, those guys and gals who drive the big trucks and the the lorries. They, they really can have substantial damage done because of overgrown hedges or overgrown trees sticking out. And, and there, there, there has been road, there, it can be a road safety issue as well if you're pulling out of a junction, for example, and a hedgerow is overgrown and you can't see what's coming left or right and you've got to move out even further onto the road and that can be quite dangerous. So 
I can I can see it from the side of uh, from the point of view of road safety. Absolutely can see that. Hate to see the destruction, though. I can also see it from the listeners' uh, point of view with birds nesting and with other animals and pollinators. And we know, God knows, we know we're trying to do everything we can for climate uh, change and certainly the pollinators and for the bees. And you know, there's been there's been kind of a push this year asking people not to cut their grass as much and particularly to leave the first dandelions that come out of the season to leave them for the bees because the pollen is uh, important. So it's you can see for farmers who need to cut back hedgerows maybe because they see that the hedges that are onto the roads are causing a road safety hazard. You can see, you know, if a job needs to be done, a job needs to be done. And if they can't do it during the required uh, period and they're getting complaints about a particular stretch of road, they may have no other choice but to cut during what is meant to be the season where the cutting uh, shouldn't go on. But the, the word should is in it so they are allowed to do it, particularly if it is a road safety hazard. And I don't know how much of it is going on or if others have noticed other hedgerows that are being cut back. But generally speaking, at this time of the year, we shouldn't be cutting hedges. 0818 103 103. And thank you to that listener for their text. Number of people on about the prayer in the doll. And this was kicked off our one of our first calls in this morning from Mick who was discussing about the fact that there's so much discussion and argument going on about the, the and concerns about the religious influence over the new National Maternity Hospital and particularly coming from the opposition benches and he's, he's making the point that if the opposition are worried about religious influence in the new National Maternity Hospital why are they not raising and why are they not talking about a prayer that they start all of their doll air and sessions are all started with a prayer and do we not need to look at that if we're worried about religious influences within our churches and uh, schools. Joe in Kilmalik says, well, if you decide to go down that route that some people are calling for and get rid of the prayer in the Dáil and the Senate, then, says Joe, should they not get rid of the Angelus that is played out on national TV uh, every day as well? If you're going to make a change, make the change across the board. And there's been many, many discussions about the Angelus at six o'clock on RTE. And I know the four, well, you can't change the format of the bells, but the format of the videos that they put up certainly have changed. There isn't as much religion and that's been happening over a number of years and I think the thought pattern there is if you want to say the Angelus, the bells ring and it reminds you that it is time to say the Angelus but the idea behind it as well with the the new videos that they put up is it can be just have a minute of reflection and there's nothing wrong with people just taking a minute out and a time to reflect in whatever way and be that in prayer or be just a moment of mindfulness or a moment of just being still and that's one of the reasons why certainly the videos have changed on the Angelus but Joe and Kilmalik says if they go down that route and they do decide to get rid of the prayer of the dog the whole hawk and stop playing the Angelus on national TV Marion in Middleton says I feel the prayer is causing no harm to anyone she feels it's not uh, offensive so maybe leaving it would be the best it also she says might help to keep things relatively calm in the mad mad world in which we're living in at the moment so she doesn't find it in any way uh, offensive. A Douglas listener says, I wonder if one of the people who are asking for this prayer to be removed, if one of if any one of those wakes up in the middle of the night with a very sharp pain in the ch- in the chest with a prayer across their lips. So says a Douglas listener. Someone else says, get rid of the members in the door. <laughs> Leave the prayer. Uh, hi, this is Dara in Bantry. I am not 
remotely religious, but just leave the prayer as is. Let those Dáil deputies or senators who want to say it, let them say it. Let all the others just stay stum. Nobody, and I don't think everybody joins in. I think it's just the Cahillac the, the reads it out. I think that's actually what happens. I don't think every, anybody that they all join in on it. And Jay says, Patricia, if they don't want to say the prayer, then tell them to stay outside until it is finished. Why should things change? Because it supposedly offends some. When in Rome, do as the Romans. It makes me sick that we have to change our ways and our traditions. Thanking you, says uh, Jay. Well, I suppose the counter argument to that is that we're not as fully a Catholic country as we once were say when that prayer was put in place and there's so many different religions represented. I think the census that we all filled in a couple of weeks ago it'll be be really interesting to see when the census results comes out because remember for the first time under religion people had the option of, well you always had the option of putting no religion but no religion used to be at the end of the list where they put it at the top of the list this time. The breakdown of the religion and what people class, what religion people class themselves as I think is going to be quite telling because we are now very much a multicultural society so let's wait and see what comes out of the census so but Jay you are right we are still predominantly a Christian country so when in Rome do as the Romans do. Okay thank you for that. Post offices still getting in some calls and texts about post offices where is this one and the need we're talking about Goline and we've been talking about Blarney and somebody else has pointed out two other post offices that on post are looking for expressions of interest uh, in and it is getting hard for people to come forward to put their names down because there doesn't it doesn't always seem to be a job that you could go into. It doesn't come with a wage. It comes on the number of transactions that the postmaster or postmistress does and if you're in a small area you might do enough transactions. You might even be able to make a wage out of it. Martin in West Cork says Patricia, when it comes to the recruitment of staff for post offices are indeed doctors and nurses. The staff are there for these jobs but the money is not. It's all about the money, stupid, as the saying goes. That staying, saying has stood the t- test of time. You, and that's from Martin in West Cork, and I suppose that's back to the um, post to make it financially viable, but also as Christopher Sullivan said, it's also back to the government to make sure that they allow post offices to do more transactions, which therefore would encourage more people to come in. And then somebody has a suggestion that says, Patricia, what about all those on the dole, those maybe on false courses or two schemes could we not put some scheme in place that they could work in the local post office? They'd be gaining experience and surely that would cut down on wages for the postmasters and postmistresses. Some kind of a CE scheme. I wonder has that ever been looked at? I don't think I've ever heard of it being looked at, but it's certainly they're scrambling now to an impasse. They're trying to keep these post offices open and certainly any rural TD across all parties and none will fight like mad to keep a post office open because they'll know how important it is to an area. I did get kind of great hope listening to Christopher Sullivan saying that look he put the call out and he he put it up on social media and it got shared countless times and he couldn't get over the number of people that are saying yeah they would be interested which again raises the question that Christopher did raise how well advertised 
have on post? What, what lengths have they gone to to advertise these positions and to sell these uh, positions? And the one thing that the pandemic has done for a lot of people, it's changed their direction of life. I think a lot of us reflected during the pandemic. A lot of people sat down and started to think about what's important in our lives. And for people who may have been caught up in that rat race that was life, before COVID-19 where literally everything was go, 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 go and living in large cities or very urban areas. Many of them started to reflect and say, hmm, maybe maybe I would like a quieter way of life and certainly listening, even listening to Mary and to Christopher earlier on uh, selling the reasons why Goline would be a gorgeous place to go and live and for some people wanting to leave that rat race and go to a very rural area, you couldn't get anywhere more beautiful than West Cork for sure. So maybe, maybe, just maybe by all of the publicity that's gone around this position, maybe that they will get somebody who'd be really interested in taking on the, the job. All we can do is keep our fingers crossed and we will keep you updated. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full time, part time, and professional courses. Succeeding together with mtu.ie Butterfant Pharmacy, they've got a vacancy for a counter-assistant CVs, please, to butterfantpharmacy at gmail.com. A sales assistant is wanted for the Eurogiant in Mallow. Please call in person into the store with your CV or you can email mallow at euro2.ie. Corks 96FM and C103 looking for a receptionist based in Broadcasting House in Cork City. CVs please to hrmanager at 96fm.ie and that's before the 22nd of May. And the Clonakilty Park Hotel, they've got vacancies for a part-time receptionist and full and part-time bar staff. CVs please to mcarolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Unfortunately, there has been a rise in the number of dog attacks on humans and other dogs in the last five years, with one farm family saying dogs should not be able to roam wherever they want after the loss of 20 ewes that were mauled to death by a dog. Bridget Ryan runs a farm with her family, Stephen, and they hail from King's Yard in uh, County Limerick. And Bridget uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Bridget. Good morning, Patricia. Now, this dreadful attack happened last Christmas. Can you outline what happened and how you discovered it? Uh, it happened on the week before Christmas. It was uh, discovered on Thursday, the 16th of December, by my husband, Stephen Ryan, at around lunchtime. Uh, he went down to our out farm in Crohan, Newcastle, to drop down four ewes from the ram. He had the rest of the breeding flock dropped down in the previous week. And when he went down that day and dropped off the four ewes at the sheep in the out farm, he noticed, once he got to the gate of the, the pen, that there was a ewe bleeding around the throat just outside the gate of the pen and that she'd been attacked and she was dead. And he knew straight away that he was in trouble, and he followed the path up from the sheep pen, and he found another dead sheep, and he said it was sickening. 
and he continued out along the path and he got up to 20 sheep in total that day. Oh, my God. And he saw the dog in the out farm that day at the sheep. He saw the dog? He saw the dog in the distance, yes. It was a large Alsatian. But but the dog got away? The dog got away, yes. And daylight then wasn't on our side because at the time of the year it was dark after four o'clock. And he went down on the following morning and the dog was below again on our out farm at the sheep on the Friday morning. But he got away from Stephen because he got his scent so he wasn't able to shoot him that morning. And when the dog left our farm that morning, he went down to our neighbour's land and he killed 10 sheep in our neighbour that morning. The same dog. And was, so he, was, eventually, was, he, was he eventually shot? Uh, the dog got away and he went home to his owner. Uh, but the dog got out again a couple of weeks ago and did another attack, but he was shot that time. Uh, without saying any names, so do you know who owns that dog? Uh, he's a local dog. And uh, uh, did you report to the Gardaí? It was reported to the Gardaí on, in Care Garda Station uh, on the 16th of December and there's still uh, ongoing inquiries into it. Okay, okay, and we'll say no more about yes, that then. Yes, the investigation so, but, is but, but one dog, because I, I, when I read about this first, I was thinking, oh my God, that must have been a pack of dogs to have done that much damage. One dog can yeah. kill that many it is. sheep. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely devastating. I mean, he was just following the sheep, stalking the sheep and catching them by the throat. It was just the throat he was catching them by. He was bleeding them and then moving on to the next sheep. It and a do- and I mean, I don't, I, I don't know much about sheep or lambs, but they always, they look like very defenceless animals. They are, they are. And I mean, those sheep, they would have been here for the previous month at King's Yard in Kilbehenny. We had them home for the ram and we had only put them back down to the out farm and we didn't know then after the sheep attack whether they'd stay in lamb or not because they were a breeding flock and we had 104 of them with the ram and we lost 20 of them in that attack. But lucky enough, 80 of them have lambed successfully now at the end of March and in April and we're very happy with that. Thank God, thank God. It took, it took time for them to come back from the attack. And your farm, uh, Bridget, is close to, to Galty Moor uh, and everybody knows Galty Moor for how well known it is for, for hill walking. Absolutely. Do, do yeah. many hill walkers bring their dogs with them? Uh, they don't. The walking clubs don't allow them to bring dogs, but it's individuals that are bringing the dogs. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. And they'll bring them on a lead. And when they go up the mountain, then they'll take the dog off of the lead and leave them off above. So we don't allow people now up anymore with dogs from King's Yard. And you've signs up and everything, and have you? And we've signs up, yeah. and there's signs up at the other access points in the Gelties and Knockmill Downs as well, and in the Glen of Aherlow, but they're still persisting in going up with dogs. If we turn them away here with dogs, they'll just move on to another point in the Gelties or Knockmill Downs or Cumras or wherever they're going and get up with them. And since the pandemic, the one thing we have been told, there's been like a huge increase in, in dog ownership. Absolutely. Are, are you fearful of further attacks? We are. We are. I mean, after the attack in December, just to, to highlight it from a personal family point of view, it devastated us as a family because it was, it was just like a death in the family, but it was outside the door. And... The effect it had on the family in general was terrible because my husband had to go down to Newcastle every second day to check that flock. That was every second day he had to travel 25 miles each way from where we live here in Kilbehenny to check the flock. But I have to say the support that we got from our neighbours and fellow farmers both in the Galtys and Knockmill Downs has been phenomenal since the attack. And then you had the ongoing worry and concern would would the lambs be born? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It was it was just it was horrific. I mean, the effect that it had even on our two children was unnatural. I mean, they were waking up at night wondering was the dog going to come back again at the well, flock. She got help. And, and my if son know... and my daughter every year they rear the pet lambs, the orphan lambs. Yeah. And there was five of their pet lambs below on the out farm in Newcastle when that dog attacked. Like. And the first question my daughter had for me and my son that day when I collected him from school on the Thursday was, Mammy, did they get the pets? And did they? No, they didn't. Lucky enough, the pets survived and they've lambed successfully. Thank God, thank God. And if an owner can be traced, Bridget, I mean, mean, I'm assuming an owner can be fined. Absolutely. And I mean, there needs to be stronger enforcement of the fines and the legislation. I mean... All the government bodies need to come on board in this. We all need to work together to stop it because farmers cannot keep continuing to take this loss. We're taking it both financially and personally and mentally. It's affecting everything. And there needs to be greater enforcement. People that have dogs need to take responsibility for their dogs. They have to Keep them on leads. Keep them out of the upland areas. They have absolutely no business bringing them where there's livestock. There's plenty of forest tracks and looped walks in the lower areas to walk their dogs. 
And when they're at home, they need to be kept securely um, in absolutely. a garden or in a kennel or in the house. Because, do you, like in your case, it was a large, you know, a large breed dog and an Alsatian, it I think you mentioned. Alsatian, do yes. you believe, though, that any dog, any breed of dog is capable of attacking sheep? They are, absolutely. Yeah. Any breed of dog is capable of it. And I mean, if you get a pack of dogs, you're, you're, you're in trouble straight away. I mean, myself and Stephen, we did a press release back in December through Mountaineer in Ireland at the time that our flock was attacked. And at the time when we did the interview with Helen Lawless in Mountaineer in Ireland, Helen is a very good friend of ours through the yard with the hill walking. And at the time, I stressed to Helen that they need to bring back the ad that was on the television in the 80s. They need to drum it into people that the dogs are not the friendly pet that's at the fireplace at night. Yeah, you when see, they get yeah. out, it's different. Yeah, and it God, I'd forgotten that ad. I know, I know exactly what yeah. you're, what you're talking about. And that ad very much was 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 on about that saying, you know, just because your dog, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, he wouldn't harm Fido, wouldn't touch anyone. He's the most yeah. gentle, loving dog. Absolutely. But if and they I mean, get the taste of blood, and absolutely. that's what seems to have happened with that dog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's like this. I mean, the IFA ran a great campaign there last year trying to, to, to alert people to the trouble that dogs cause. And the ad was brought back, but it was only brought back on YouTube. And I mean, nobody's going to see it inside YouTube. Put it, put it out on, on, on TV. And how, how is farming doing at the moment? I mean, we're hearing of all businesses uh, really uh, struggling. Is it is it tough to be a sheep farmer at the moment, it Bridget? Is, it is. I mean, all the costs have gone up. Everything has gone up across the board. I mean, the inputs have gone up hugely. Hugely, the inflation is affecting everything we're buying. I mean, when we go in week to week, the price of the feed and fertilizer and silage, everything is going to be more expensive to make it this year. Yeah, and then your electricity, you have all the additional yeah, the electricity costs. electricity and all that as well, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it is tough going. And then to have something as devastating as this happen just it before is, Christmas I mean, is just dreadful. You can't, you can't insure your flock against it because there's no insurance company that will take it on. I didn't realise that. Yeah. Was that was there a time when you could? No, no. there isn't. No, no, I mean the insurance companies will only insure your flock against uh, sheep dog worrying if uh, you can put up signage. I mean, how do you put up signage on the open mountain? You just yeah, can't. You can't. All right, listen, thank you for sharing uh, your story and I think a cautionary tale to anybody listening, particularly pet owners, please, please, please be responsible. Uh, for your pets and know where they are at all times. Absolutely, because I mean, the dog that killed our sheep in December, he killed a further twenty-seven sheep on the twenty-sixth. All of from April. one dog. All yeah. from all from one uh, all dog. From one I can dog, see a lot yeah. of outpouring of uh, love and respect for you and people saying that poor uh, woman and somebody else saying so glad to hear that the children's pet, uh, the pet lambs, uh, weren't uh, weren't caught. But lots of people saying well done and well done for speaking out. Bridget, listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Bridget Ryan, uh, sheep farm family uh, out of King's Yard in County Limerick, but uh, farming outside of Kilbehenny. 0818 John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862. 
103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. With life slowly getting back to normal after all of the lockdowns during the pandemic, it's great to welcome singer-songwriter Don Meskel to studio this morning. And would you believe Don is our first live singer since March of 2020. And that has been way too long. Good morning to you, Don. Good morning. And the last person who sat in that seat in March of 2020 and the following day we went into lockdown was actually Neve Kavanagh. Oh, Neve. I know Neve. What yeah. a lovely lady. Yeah, wasn't she great? And she, yeah. bless her heart, she was here to advertise and she was doing gigs in the opera. So they all got cancelled on her. Yeah, well, I had a few of those myself. I know, I know. Yeah. How has it been? Well, you know, it's been it's been challenging. I mean, um, and, you know, I, I suppose you're always careful about you know, saying how challenging it's been for you personally because you hear stories of how hard it was for other people, you know. So, look, you know, um, uh, it wasn't as hard for me as for other people. But funnily enough, in a a more positive way, it helped me make a decision about... (laughs) I'd been away for 25 years in London and in Nashville for a few years as well. And I'd been sort of toying with this idea of eventually uh, moving home. You know, you get it. It happens to us all, doesn't it? And um, and COVID happened, and I had a I had been I had a recording studio in London for about seven years in Greenwich, by the river, and COVID hit, and I thought, well, this is you know this is going to stick around for a while. So it helped me make the decision. So I had fortunately I had um, bought a place in County Cavan. You bought? <laughs> did I read online? You bought a church? I did. I bought a church. <laughs> I bought a church. Wouldn't be for everybody now, but I, I love it. And I bought. I had bought this building, this church in County Cavan on the banks of a lake. And, and the plan for me would have been, you know, possibly over the next four or five years that I'd, you know, I'd needed a lot of renovation. Yeah. But then COVID hit and, and it just helped me make the decision. So I, I packed up and I moved to Cavan. And are you living in the church? <laughs> I am. And your studio's there Yeah, as well, I moved my recording studio and I live in the church as well. And um, I kind of needed to change my life a little bit, you know. So it was one of those moments that even though... It was a terrible thing in the world. It it really kind of helped me make that decision, that life changing decision. And but that is life changing to move from London to County Cavan. Yeah, and I didn't actually know anybody up there, which was the other strangest thing because people said, "Oh, your family must be up there." Well, I'm I'm from a small little Horland parish in Ahan, County uh, yeah. Limerick. I didn't know anybody, so I saw it. I I suffer from insomnia, and I saw it online one night and for sale. That the ad was probably five years old. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a good bargain? Uh, well, I don't know really. I don't know much about property, but um, I, say, I, I imagine what... people in Kevin are very, um, very honest. So uh, I think it was fair, and I just fell in love with it. I, I hopped on a plane, hired a car in Dublin Airport. Didn't tell anybody because they would say you're insane. Yeah, and I kind of hung out in Cavan for three days, and I thought, is this for me? And um, and I was so completely convinced it was. And now I realize, you know, I think that our, I think myself that our paths are, are already chosen for us, you know. Um, and I know now that this is the place I was supposed to be, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I couldn't be happier there. And you're recording and you're recording people. Yes, yeah. I mean. Um, and people will, if, if you've got to record a song, you'll travel wherever the studio is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, the first, the project that I, and another thing that happened then, obviously, very fortunately, was I uh, I had known, well, I had worked, I had written for Aslan many years ago. And, you know, I'd written a, a little number one for them called Too Late for Hallelujah. And Christy reached out to me. <laughs> Christy reached out to me at the start of COVID when he heard that I was uh, back in Ireland. And he said, look, I want to make a solo record. 
would you help me? So I mean, I'm as, I, I I did feel a big responsibility, but but so so that was the first record that I made in the church was the man who's dead alive. So. T- talk to me about that. That's that. Christie's seeing that as his legacy album, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was. Isn't that, Patricia, I, I have I to say, say when I heard an interview, you know, or when I read an interview, um, actually, in the Irish Times, where he mentioned that first of all, I felt this huge responsibility then, because I thought to myself, wow, you know, I better get this right, because. Um, this possibly, you know, will be his last record. Mm. Um, and uh, so I, 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 I then, I, I guess because of COVID again, um, I wasn't in, interrupted in any kind of way. I, I was just working in the studio on my own. I couldn't have anybody in really. And then towards the end of COVID, um, he started coming down to do the vocals. And, uh, you know, um, and then actually he was too tired and he was too ill. So I relocated to his kitchen, (laughs) as you do, (laughs) took loads of equipment up to his kitchen. And um, it was quite funny because sometimes when we're recording, if you listen to the album, I wrote nine songs for it. And then I did a cover of um, a Leonard Cohen song. But if you listen closely, you can probably hear next door neighbor's lawnmower. (laughs) He he decided to cut the lawn one day when we were doing the most fabulous vocal. And you know what? I just thought, oh, look, you know, leave it in, leave it in. Yeah. And then Christy, Christy and Catherine have a little dog and occasionally the dog would come in and jump up on my knees and start licking me on <laughs> the face. So there's a lots of different things. And there. how is he? How is Christy? He's you know what? It, it, it's actually difficult to know because, you know, it's a terminal illness. Yeah, and that he's been battling for many he's years. Be, he's such a he's such a, a warrior. You know, I have to admire him and uh, and I do really admire him. And. I think he's in a different, uh, like he's in a difficult zone at the moment because they've tried lots and lots of treatment and he's not particularly well. Mm. Bless his sweetheart. And that's because he went. You picked up an award, a lifetime achievement award, didn't you? Yes, Laugh, yes, in, we in did. My, and he, um, went, he was there for that. Yeah, and we performed. Uh, we, we performed a couple of songs from 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 the album, which was lovely, you know. And we had a bit of a laugh, you know, as you do. Um, and um, I guess I got close to him when I was doing the whole thing and I really enjoyed the, you know what, in a lot of ways it gave me something to focus on as well because I was kind of in a new place in this big old church that needed loads of work and, you know, and it could be a bit daunting sometimes but I guess I was energised by the fact that I had the responsibility of this album and I wanted to do the best album I could possibly do for him. Yeah. So and I have to say, hand on my heart, there was, you know, there wasn't a bad moment. It was all do joyful. You, do you almost have, particularly when I'm, I'm conscious of the fact of him saying this is a legacy album and you panicking, going, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, a little bit. Do, do, do you almost have to try to get into Christy Dignam's head in order to... That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I, I said there recently, um, I think we, we were on with Marty Whelan and I said, um, Marty said, were you in his head? And I said, yeah, and there was some stuff in there that I saw <laughs> <laughs> and I left it alone because I said that to Christy. Christy would have loved that. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to Christy. So I'm like, yeah, I was, you know, I was inside in your head and I was opening up some boxes and I said, some of them I closed straight away when I saw what was in them. But yeah, you do. Now, luckily, um, I can honestly say, too, that I had a tiny little bit of a rock and roll um, period in my life as well when I, was in, when I was in London in the early days. So I was drawing from some of my own experiences um, and then I knew they would quite relate to Christy. Yeah. So when I would present songs to him, he'd go, he'd start laughing and he goes, OK, yeah, yeah, I know what that's about. Yeah. I know where I'm going with that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was wonderful. Really. Well, I know where that's come from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
But of course, you lost your dad uh, when yeah. we were only 10. Poor old dad. So you yeah. can bring him back to life in a song. Yeah, I used poetic you, license yeah, to bring dad back in the terrific. last verse, you know. It was, yeah, I lost dad. We we went to a hurling match in Carrick and Lish when I was 10. Myself and my brother Tom and dad, and dad passed away. Dad got a heart attack. You, but your mum is still with us. My mum is 98, oh. and honestly, she's the most incredible. I'm staying with her tonight. And I, she's <laughs> the most incredible lady I know. She's full of fun. She's well-read. She's just, just an amazing She's still person. in the family home? Still in the family oh. home. I get I get texts from my mum on WhatsApp or from her iPhone. Yeah. I get emails from her. She's just the most incredible lady. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, she so, raised us all. You so know. lovely being back. You obviously will get to see much more I love being back now. And, and you know, it's it's only when you come back you realise what you've missed, isn't it? Yeah, it's a yeah. funny old world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, I stayed with my sister last night in, in Yall. And I hadn't seen her in over two years. Yeah, my younger sister. So we had a great night. That's you know? good. That's good. And you're and the the main reason for well, one of the main reasons for yeah. your for your visit is you are doing a one off gig, staying with the church theme. I have to say, I know. This Isn't that is crazy? This, this is Sea Church in Ballycott. Now I haven't been to this venue, but I I know it's meant to be I stunning. Heard it's beautiful. Oh, it's meant well, to be actually, I got a phone call from the lovely Caroline this morning to tell me it's sold out, which sold is out, which, which is, is terrific, which I is great. Kind of so I, I was about to say it's on the twenty eighth of May and tickets available and there are no tickets available so enjoy <laughs> okay. every moment of it and as always it's thanks and I'm in Dublin on the 29th Dublin is, on the 29th yeah, okay so, and yeah. any other Cork gigs coming up um, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping at some stage uh, you know this is the kind of first time out now yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so it's exciting and nerve wracking well come back and chat to us again I'd you? love to uh, this, thank I really you enjoy so that. much thanks a million uh, for joining so us much. the lovely Don Mesco Cork Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. So many people texting and WhatsApping to say how much they enjoyed uh, my chat with Don Meskel, but in particular to hear Don Meskel sing uh, live his uh, his version of that song that he wrote, uh, Sunday Drive. It was just spellbinding, spell just sitting here having somebody live with a guitar in front of you. It's uh, I tell you, it's one of the real pluses of this job and I don't get to do it that often and certainly for the last uh, two and a half years we haven't had anybody live in like that so it, it really was thrilling for me but lots of people saying what a beautiful, beautiful uh, song people are commenting on. Uh, somebody says, Patricia, that song, such a great song by Don uh, Meskel, not like the rubbish we heard last night of the Eurovision Song Contest. Actually, Don dipped his toe into Eurovision. He was he got through to one of, you know, like our National Song Contest where they're on the late, late. I think he came in at third, but he's just, he's a fine, fine singer-songwriter, probably better known for his songwriting, but I think his singing is stunning as well. And actually, the last time I spoke with Don and I was hoping to have mentioned it but to the chat just the time went uh, from us as it always does the last time we sp- we had Don on the programme it was over the phone it would have been back end of last year October, November time or there, thereabouts because we got to hear that Don he's Don Meskel he's such a great guy with such a huge huge heart he had been contacted by uh, a lady who lives uh, here in, in Cork Caroline Colbert from Ballinacorra 
she had contacted Don Meskel because her husband, Jim, who was a retired builder, had been sadly diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2017. And Caroline reached out to Don Meskel and she basically just sent him a message to say, just want to let you know that one of your songs has made such a difference uh, to us. And the, the song is a song called The Last Song. And it is particularly has a great meaning for Caroline and for her husband, Jim, particularly now when he's battling with Alzheimer's. So she wrote to him at the end of... 20, last year um, uh, 2021 and just I said look just a nice thing to do just didn't think she'd hear back from her whatever because Don Meskel being Don Meskel got onto her straight away and said God you know so touched that you reached out and is there anything I could do you know to help Jim or, or whatever and so Caroline decided then God you know what, Jim is fine but what we'd love is if you could do something for the Alzheimer's Society so Don said you know any time so what he did was he recorded a new version of the song the last song and in brackets, it was the last song, Song for Jim. And uh, he recorded it with all of the proceeds going to raise funds for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. And at the time when we got to hear about it last year, we had Don and Caroline join us on the uh, programme. So Caroline, if you're listening, we hope that you're doing well and that your lovely husband, Jim, is doing well as well. Because off air, we did speak about it. And my plan was during the interview that I would mention it. But we just didn't get a chance. We ran out of time. But yeah, he's a great guy with a big heart but he is very very talented for sure 0818103103 some of your texts and comments coming into the programme we were speaking about the dog attacks in the last hour when we bridged Ryan on talking about her the amount of yos they lost on just coming up to Christmas as well devastating for them all from one dog and of course any dog is capable of it that's the problem And but once they get the taste of blood that's when those dogs become very very dangerous and of course people are, you know if a dog gets out and has gone missing for a few hours nobody knows what the owner doesn't know what the dog has gotten up to but it can be absolutely devastating somebody says Patricia just also to let you know dogs can uh, attack even cows it isn't just sheep says uh, Mike it, it happened on his farm so he says it does happen and then we were talking about the you know, one of the reasons Bridget wants to highlight it is to do with re- responsible pet ownership and for people to just be aware of where your dogs are at all times and if you are hill walker for example which is where uh, Bridget and her husband have a lot of their sheep you know it's no place for dogs but if you have to bring your dog with with you make sure your dog is on the lead all of the time but then if your dog is you know make sure if it's in a garden that it's fenced in properly and that it can't get out and just suddenly disappear and so we were talking about that and and the majority of, of pet owners are responsible and the majority of people love and look after their dogs but it's prompted Margaret to send in she's a dog lover and she said I lost my beautiful Sophie yesterday and she sent in a gorgeous picture of her dog very ill he ended up with a, she was very ill she ended up with kidney failure and she had to be put put to sleep Patricia I'm absolutely heartbroken as all I have are, are my dogs my eyes are swollen from crying thank you for allowing me uh, to uh, rant uh, my beautiful baby was taken from me last Sunday it's, it's so listen I know that pain I absolutely you know that pain of losing a much loved pet Margaret uh, look after yourself and um, mind mind yourself more than uh, anything but it is extremely uh, painful now what else is coming in to us the staff from St Joseph's in Charleville have been on to say Patricia would you say thank you to everybody in Irish Rail for a lovely day out yesterday they were so accommodating of all of our needs from Charleville to photo yesterday on the train and they had a wonderful day out glad to do that for you and then there was another one, uh, 
a text in that I want to find. So many texts coming in. There's a text in about, this is from Mike in Bantry. Mike says, Patricia, there was a shipment of oil came into Ireland last week from Russia. It was petrol or diesel to go to the Circle K stations. We shouldn't be buying this oil. Could you check it out, please? And that's Mike and Bantry. Now, I'm assuming, Mike, what you're talking about is a story that made the news yesterday. This oil didn't arrive last week. It actually, this was oil on a Russian, it was a Russian diesel docked in the port of Dublin. It was early in March. It was kind of at the start of, just shortly after the Russians had invaded Ukraine. And it was at the time where most certainly most European countries were turning away uh, Russian ships and there was a bit of an argument ensued between the CEO of Dublin Port and the Secretary General of the Department of Transport because the CEO of Dublin Port didn't want to give permission for this Russian diesel to dock and an argument ensued and eventually the CEO of Dublin Port was overruled by the department and was told that the shipment was to dock and was was to come in and then the, the port didn't have had to abide by the rules of the Department of uh, Transport and it was under I think it was under Freedom of Inf- Information RTE yesterday had these sort of emails that went over and back and over and back and who, who said uh, what but the Circle, Circle K was the customer of the Russian diesel at the time were informed that the shipment would be allowed into port and it was allowed into port so I'm assuming that's what you are uh, talking about but that was early in March because from Friday the 11th of March a general notice was sent to the Marine Transport Division that to all ports in the country informing them of the avoidance of any doubt that there was um, what, what bans were in place on Russian flagged vessels are the, prohi- the prohibition of Russian imports. But that also tied in with the call that we had in yesterday from a listener who asked us to check. John and Cove had been on to say that a Russian ship had docked earlier this week in Ring of Skiddy and he asked us to check saying that he thought that there was to be no Russian uh, ships allowed and could we check. So we got onto the Department of Transport and they've come back and said and said that the EU sanction which came into effect on the 16th of April so that would have been way after that one the, the, the one with the diesel going into Dublin anyway it was 16th of April it makes provision for a derogation for the prohibition on limited and very specific grounds in the ship that docked in Ring earlier this week the cargo in question contains animal feet and therefore it falls within the parameters laid down in the regulation for derogation. So obviously if there are supplies on board that are needed for a section of society and in particular if it's to do with human health or animal welfare, I imagine there's a derogation in place. I'm assuming at this stage no oil or diesel or petrol is being accepted but the fact that it's animal feed and animal feed going into short supply and becoming so expensive that they've no other choice. There are derogations so that's the reason that that Russian container was allowed to dock in Ringeskitty. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And by the way, I forgot to remind you, get your gardening questions in. Peter Dowdell joins us this hour, so 0818 103 103 or text or WhatsApp. Now, Mallow Rugby Club are inviting girls aged 7 to 14 to take part in their Give It a Try rugby programme, which is currently running on Saturday mornings from 11 a.m. to 12 noon 
in the rugby pitch that's across from Tesco in Mallow. You can contact Ian if you'd like more details 086 251 Bingo books for Kildallery Home Bingo are on sale in all of the usual outlets. They've got a snowball prize this week of €250. Shambali Moore Development Association are holding their AGM. It is on tomorrow night, Thursday. Now they'll open with talks in Ballyhower Development Group. That's at 7 in the community centre and then they'll follow it with the AGM. People are asked to come along and to discuss the future of the community. And Hazelwood Tennis Club, they're holding a fundraising table quiz this Friday night, half past eight, in Mick Burke's Bar in Butterant. Tables for €40 euro, and everyone very welcome to attend. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And when I was chatting with uh, Don Meskel about ahead of his gig, which is on the 20, Friday the 28th of May in the gorgeous Sea Church in Ballycotton, and he mentioned that tickets are completely sold out because I thought I'd be directing people to the website if they wanted to buy uh, tickets. They've kindly got the two, a pair of, the final pair of tickets are available. And Don has kindly given them to us today to give away to a listener. So caller number nine, who would like to go along and see Don Meskel perform, similar to what you heard on the programme, today, Friday the 28th of May, uh, half eight start, Sea Church in Ballycotton. Call us now, please. Call a nine to get through to John Paul. We'll win that final pair of uh, tickets and it'll just be a wonderful, wonderful performance. He will be on stage in Sea Church in Ballycotton from half eight until ten on the 28th of May, Friday the 28th of May. If you want to win that last pair of tickets, call us now, please. 0818 103 103. As I say, call a number nine to get through to John Paul. We'll win those uh, tickets and then we can clear the phone lines for your gardening questions with uh, Peter or you can text her WhatsApp in gardening questions as well to 0862103103. Now we, t- we spoke earlier about dog attacks and particularly the dog attacks on the sheep with Bridget Ryan outlining what ha- had happened on their farm. Share Miss in, and then I, she was saying you can't get insurance to protect the ewes against dog attacks. Seamus in Baltimore is an interesting one that might be something that Bridget or others could consider. He says that the house insurance of the dog owner could pay out to Bridget or others in a similar attack. Seamus said he worked in insurance for 20 years and the insurance does cover domestic pets so that could help Bridget in her case because if domestic pets damage something or would it also cover the, the killing of livestock? I don't know. Might be worth a try though, Seamus. But she has to prove who owned the dog first and all of that. And it, that's, it is before the courts. That's why we didn't want to get into too much about that. But thank you, uh, Seamus. That might be of help. Margaret is listening to us in Kanturk and has contacted us. Good afternoon, Margaret. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, did you witness this or was it your neighbour witnessed it? It was my neighbour. We're in the Kilbrin, Kentucky area. And um, I run a group text. I have about 400 people on my group text. And if anything is happening in the area, people contact me and they say, we'll send out a a text about this. And a neighbour rang me one day and she said, Margaret, there's a dog after coming into, three dogs after coming into our yard. And they're after mauling the cat to death. Now, she said, just as easily... Her children could have been out in the yard. Oh so, my God! And it, and and obviously there was you couldn't get into the middle of 
three dogs to try and get the cat away? Oh, absolutely not. They'd have mauled whoever went out. Uh, I sent out a text. I, I contacted the dog warden and I sent out a text to all my contacts. And um, I believe, no, I may be wrong, but I believe the person who owns the dogs is probably on my texting group because the dogs were not seen. They had been seen before that. They were not seen for about three weeks after that. And, and do you reckon it's one owner of all of the dogs or is it just a group of dogs got together? No, I'd say one owner. One owner. One owner, because they were the same breed of a dog. I think they were kind of a, a greyhound. I don't know. Oh, like, a lurch, know like a lurcher. I don't, I don't know. No, I wouldn't be familiar with okay. dogs. Okay, okay. But they ripped, uh, they ripped the, your neighbour's cat apart in front of her. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and and they were let loose again a couple of weeks after. When things had calmed down, after the, the text being sent out, they were let loose again. They were back up into the same neighbour's yard. But see, but rather than let loose, they got out again, is obviously what happened. Well, maybe so, yeah. Maybe yeah. so, but uh, I mean, they're not fenced in if they are. If they, if they got out. But you see, what I would worry about there, having spoken to and what happened in, in her situation on Galti Moor and around the Kilbeheny area, that particular, it was an Alsatian in that case, came back and did more damage and more damage to, to other farms and to, to lambs and, and sheep on other farms. Once the dog gets the taste of blood, that's, oh, yeah. it just seems to drive them mad. They just want more and more of it. Oh yeah, and they know where they went, where they went to for the blood. And the fear no. is that this th- these three dogs could do it again. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and like the dog warden, in fairness to him, he was out within the hour, and he did every house in the area. No luck, and, and no luck. But as you say, did you give the heads up to the owner, not realizing well, that, and the dog, were the dogs and well hidden then? And we, we were we were delighted like that there was no trace of the dogs. We said maybe hopefully they're after learning the lesson, they'll keep the dogs you know, fenced yeah. in or whatever. But after three weeks the dogs were out again. Dreadful. Dreadful. All right. Okay. Listen. Uh, but uh, yes, a kid, a, a cat can be killed. But as you say, as your neighbour said, a small child. Oh yeah, if 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 a child, don't know. Yeah. you just don't know. You just don't know. All right, yeah. Margaret. Listen, thank you for that, and thank uh, thanks uh, for joining us. It's Margaret in Kentucky. You can stop calling us, by the way, on those uh, the Don Meskel tickets. Last pair, Sea Church in Ballycotton, and our winner heading off is Cathy Carney of Bally Brownie. I think it's Bally Brownie, Rathgormach. Well done to you, uh, Cathy. Enjoy that uh, a gig. Phone lines now. Let's clear them because if you've got a gardening question for. Peter, now is the time you can call John Paul at 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp. I can see some questions coming in by uh, WhatsApp as well to 0862 103 103. And hi uh, Patricia, about sheep, gnos and lambs being killed. One dog will round up a pack, even small, even dog as small as a terrier. They go then on the thrill of the chase for the dogs. The poor sheep are scared. They get caught in hedges. The pack then are very clever. They're much more intelligent. They wash themselves in drains before returning home, before owners get up. Lovely pet then is waiting at your door, wagging the tail.
jail and you will never know what they have done and well that's what we're back to responsible pet ownership we should know if we own a dog we should know where that dog is at all times thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and a quick mention in the papers today some some issues and things that we've been dealing with and they're uh, picked up and reported on in other papers as well. Good to see the echo of following up on our story from yesterday that we had massive reaction to and this was the decision by Cork County Council to remove Piper's showman's wagon from Short Quay in Kinsale and according to the echo today it's led to great anger from locals in the town and certainly we had an outpouring of anger yesterday when I started talking uh, with it particularly with uh, Brendan Piper who was telling us of and just and you could hear it in his voice how upset he was and on behalf of his whole family and the heritage that goes with this caravan and its connection with Kinsale. And of course, as we also mentioned, uh, Mark O'Ree, who's the local Green Party representative, he had a, a, has a petition online asking the council to reverse their decision. And that's gone well over a thousand signatures have already signed that. Uh, Mark O'Ree said that people see Piper's traditional show caravan as synonymous with Kins- Kinsale. He said people are really irritated. They're incensed. He said everybody's kids went to the fun fair. They're part of our cultural and our social heritage and he says he is hopeful that a solution can be found to the current uh, impasse. An independent councillor Alan Coleman is quoted in the Echo saying that the picturesque and traditional wooden caravan is an iconic piece of Kinsale tradition and that's certainly what was coming through from our listeners yesterday. Everybody had saying that they've got you know if they were to dig through the old photograph albums or the old biscuit tin full of photos they'll find pictures of them maybe with their parents or their grandparents taken over the years Alan said it's causing huge upset in the town and he says seems to think there's no logical reason for it. He said the caravan is there since 1932 so 90 years uh, next year. He said the family or 90 years this year sorry. He said the family is well known. They're popular in the local community. Initially of course members of the Piper family had lived in this caravan and, and I love this. He says it's Kinsale's Eiffel Tower. It's part of the furniture in Kinsale. He said, I have yet to get a clear statement as to why this why this has been done. And he said the issue hasn't gone away by any uh, means. And they discussed it again at last Wednesday's uh, council meeting, the municipal district meeting. And he said there was a heated debate at, at it. He said, we'll discuss it again. He said the, not, the matter is not over by any means. So that fight continues to have Piper's caravan remain on short key in Kinsale. And also in the Echo, a great photograph of the 18 cyclists from Clonakilty Cycling Club who we spoke with in the run-up to the May bank holiday because they were about to embark on a 616 kilometre cycle over four days and of course they did. They went from Malinhead to Mizzenhead and there's a report in the papers today that they have raised more than 60,000 Euro, And of course, it's been raised with all of the proceeds going to the Irish Community Air Ambulance, which is a terrific sum. And everybody involved in that cycle absolutely blown away by the response. They set out to raise as much as they could, but they never dreamt that they would go over 60,000. So it was it was terrific. Well done to each and every one of the 18 cyclists from Clannacilty Cycling Club. And I know they had backup and support as well. Well done to everybody for taking part in that cycle and raising that money. It will save lives. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. 
Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Met Aaron are telling us that this Saturday and Sunday it's going to be the highest temperatures of the year so far. We could be in the low 20s and we're going to have nice sunny weather. So lots of people might be considering heading out to into the garden. If you've got a gardening question, get it in 0818 103 103. Peter Dowdell, the IrishGardener.com, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. Don't we hope that forecast comes oh, through? And for Monday, for Monday of next week, it changes again. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll stick with the good news yeah, we'll we stick will, with the good weather we and we're going to take that Saturday and Sunday I tell you and grab it with both arms now I want to go back to last week because last week I forwarded you on a photograph but of course you were on the phone so you weren't able to see it and you said you'd take a look at it it was a picture uh, with a listener saying hi could you ask Peter please to help me what is this I've done everything to get rid of it I've no idea what, what it is it's just in one spot in my garden by the front wall now I have a sneaking suspicion when I saw the photograph but I was fearful I said I wouldn't say anything what is it? Yeah unfortunately for the caller uh, it, it is Japanese I knew knotweed it was. I knew it was Yeah and uh, as uh, like if, if, if the caller is the one person in the country who hasn't at this stage heard of Japanese knotweed well what it is it's a very very invasive species and it's uh, you're not allowed to touch it. You are, are like even cutting it there. You didn't know, so obviously you can't get a wrap in the knuckles. But even cutting it there for the photograph, um, you'd make sure those cuttings you don't you haven't thrown them into a compost bin or in, into anywhere other part of the garden because they'll all root away. Even if you think you've dumped them, they won't. They, they won't just break break down and rot away. They'll form new plants. So be very very careful with Japanese knotweed. Uh, the best advice and really the only advice I can give you is to get on to a specialist Japanese knotweed company. Um, Jap- there's, there's a couple of them, Japanese Knotweed Ireland and and the Japanese Knotweed Company, I think are the names of them. Um, but get on to them because uh, you, you shouldn't really go at it yourself uh, because there are, there is huge implications of having it on your property, I'm afraid, uh, particularly if you're selling it or anything like that or if it spreads from your garden to a, to another garden. There are legal implications, believe it or not, uh, to do with it. So, so don't ignore it. Um, and I would suggest do get on to one of those companies to, to maybe have a look at it or get advice from them. And that's why when that listener said they've done everything that they can, you can't, it's impossible to get rid of yourself. It's 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 put it this way. It's it's the first plant to colonise after a volcano has erupted. So that'll tell you how you um, how 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 serious a plant it is. Yeah, you're not going to get rid of it easily. Um, but there are ways of dealing with it. So so don't lose heart. There are ways of dealing with it and and controlling it. Uh, and I think with a lot of these very invasive weeds. We, you know, this this expression has been used more to do with with invasive viruses recently than anything else. But learning to live with it, so it's a case of just controlling it and 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 learning to live with it. Forget about trying to eradicate it because we won't. It's been here for for millennia, so um, it's just a, qu- a question of managing it. They eat the roots, don't they? In there in in Japan, you see, this is all to do with the the natural balance that I often speak about on your program, Trish. In in that we shouldn't interfere with with the natural order and the natural balance and we should we should garden more in sympathy with what's happening around because things have a, a, a way of balancing out if we don't interfere with it but, but so in japan where it's obviously native to there is a psyllid moth or a psyllid that um that feeds on it that there there are and there are other natural predators for it in japan but not here it'll probably take a few centuries before it happens here now it's been in ireland it's 
I'm not sure if it's 20th or even 19th century, but it's been in here for quite a while. Uh, I think 20th century. Um, first came over like a lot of these invasives into the UK as, as an ornamental plant when they didn't know how vigorous it was. But of course, we don't have any of the predator insects that they have in Japan that keep it under control. No, but I was saying in Japan, they eat the root. It's, it's grown oh, sorry, and harvested. Oh, sorry. The, the yeah. insects. They do. Yes, they do. It is a foodstuff in Japan. You're quite right. Yes, it is. I've never tasted it myself now, but they do. <laughs> I wouldn't fancy it either. And uh, we also <laughs> sent you on pictures from last week of somebody whose rhododendrons leaves were dull green brownish uh, colour and also I think it could be done for the laurel hedging with the holes in it. And we sent on those photographs to you as yes, well. Yes. Th- the, the rhododendron really, I just think, needs a decent feed. It needs a, a good uh, sequestered iron feed. Um, so a good acid plant tonic. Rhododendron is like an acid soil and it just looks a bit hungry to me. The 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 holes in the laurel were shot hole, which we discussed last week. All right, it is shot hole, which is um, the best thing to do there. Now, wait till September because it's a hedge. So you're not allowed to cut your hedge back now uh, for the Wildlife Protection Act. So in September, cut back that hedge, removing most of the, as much of the infected growth as possible, the little holes. Um, no, it's not going to. It's not going to, to 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 kill the hedge. Really, it does weaken it certainly. Uh, and I would give it a drench with the copper sulfate and water. A solution of copper sulfate mixed with water. You could do that now, uh, and just do it once a, a year maximum. So drench the the root zone of that hedge with copper sulfate and water, and that will help to control it. And then cut it back in September. And stay on rhododendron. Somebody wants to know rhododendron that haven't flowered since planting. They're now planted over two years ago. It's from Michelle in Bandon. Is there anything she can be doing to help it along? Uh, some plants will take just that couple of years to establish, okay? So in truth, if the plant looks a good, healthy green colour, it's not yellow and brown and hungry looking. If it's a healthy green colour, uh, I wouldn't be overly concerned. It might just take another year to establish. They do set their flower buds in the autumn. So autumn of this year is when they'll set flower buds, which will open next spring. So the time to feed it, if you wanted to, would be that time of the year, July, August, September. Because uh, there's no point feeding it now because it, it won't do anything for it in, in terms of sulfate of potash or tomato food, something high in potassium to promote flower buds. Uh, July, August, September, give it give it some of that. A, a good, as I say, organic tomato food or, or sulfate of potash, uh, and that will help promote buds for next year. But it could, I would say it could just be a couple of years settling in. If the growth isn't good, healthy green, if it is more yellow or if it's showing any signs of scorch, it, it's most likely to do with the pH of the soil that it's in. Uh, or it could be in the wrong aspect facing due south or due east. Rhododendrons don't like a very sunny position. They like semi-shade. So if it's facing full sun, particularly first thing in the morning, if it's east facing, they don't like that and they won't thrive. So if any of them ring true for that rhododendron, that could also be a reason. Well, everybody's looking for plants to flower. <laughs> Nora on Insta says, how can I get my hydrangea to flower? Just give it time. <laughs> give it time. I was I was just in Hanley's Garden Centre today in Cork in uh, the Kinsale Road Roundabout and they have tables full of hydrangeas and flower. Uh, um, but they're too early. They've all been forced inside in a glass house. No, they're fine plants. I'm not, not knocking the, the ones in garden centres and the ones up there in Hanley's look fabulous. Um, but they've all been, been, been encouraged by nurseries and that to, to flower early. In our gardens, hydrangeas won't be in flower for another month okay, or two so yet, so pa- don't worry. Patience is what is needed. Margaret patience. is in, in Middleton. Margaret has transplanted sunflowers from pots to the ground. Some, she said, have gone yellow and some have not. Some are just falling down towards ground level. Advice, please. And I'm assuming she is, as the whole country seems to be doing, trying to grow sunflowers for the first time. 
Yes, thankfully, and showing solidarity and, and welcome to the Ukrainians that have moved, moved in here. Um, the ones that, that sounds quite simple, actually, I would suspect it's probably just a lack of water is, is the answer to both here, to both the ones that are a bit yellow and the ones that are drooping over. So they'll droop over very dramatically, uh, quickly if they're, if they're drying out. So do water them. Uh, if they're in the open ground, I wouldn't be too concerned now about overwatering because it should just drain away and they'll, they'll, they'll use a lot of water now because they, they need to grow. The, uh, like maybe up to four meters in one season so they use a lot of water to get there um so keep them well watered keep them staked even at the start with a small little bamboo cane or something like that make sure obviously they're in a sunny position it's possible i don't know where she's calling from that after she planted them out if the temperatures dropped very very low but i don't think we've had particularly low temperatures in the last week or so certainly not here in the city um so, but if temperatures did drop very, very low, or if there was a frost, that would also cause them to just be a bit weak, be a bit yellow. Um, but I, I don't think we've had any frost, so no. any cold temperatures, they should grow through it. Okay, hi Peter. How do I safely get rid of wood lice? I found them under a few limp heads of otherwise thriving lettuce in my polytunnel. Thanking you, says Anne. With difficulty is the short answer, and I'm always kind of loath to try and get rid of them in the garden. When they come into the house, obviously, I'm not happy with them. But in the garden, I kind of let them off to do their own thing. I don't think, now I don't, I'm open to correction here, but I don't think they're going to be the reason for those lettuces being limp. Uh, but as I say, I am I am open to correction. Somebody else might say, you know, I've seen them eating the root system. If they tend not to be. They just congregate like under a lettuce because it's it's kind of damp and, and safe, if you like. Um the short answer is I don't know. There are wood lice killers out there, but they're they're chemical, and I certainly wouldn't be using them near any food stuff. And I'm kind of inclined to leave the wood lice alone. Um, you could try a material under the lettuce that they're not going to like, something like a bark mulch or something like that that they may not like. You know, a, a harsh one. But um, I, apart from that, I would say it's just a case of of cleaning under the lettuce every day. Okay, somebody else says rhubarb, uh, which they describe as having a tiny yellow insect on the leaves it's also affected the rhubarb or stalks I suspect without having seen it Trish I suspect it's some kind of a scale insect that, that's the, these are sap sucking insects that, that look as the name suggests they look like kind of scales on the leaf um, you can kind of nearly peel them off uh, I suspect that's what it is and they, they do feed on, I, I, you know I would imagine whatever it is because I haven't seen it so even if it's not a scale insect it's one of these sap suckers that's sucking the, the sucks the sap out of the veins of the leaf and, and the stalks and can lead to contorted growth and the rhubarb is fine to eat of course but it, it can the leaves and the, the stem can just look a bit contorted best way to control it actually I'll be talking to Dahi on the Today Show later about, about this is actually using garlic which we've talked about many times in your show Trish as a preventative for things like um, aphids and slugs and these sap-sucking insects. Google uh, how to make a garlic wash for plants or a garlic mix for plants uh, because there's various different recipes will come up. Apply that to the rhubarb and I'd say you should be quite successful with that. Yeah, and that does and it certainly does work as I know we've had a lot of our listeners over the years do it and come back and say it was very, very successful. And Catherine says, question for Peter, please. I've conifer trees that need to be replaced as they're burnt wind. I'm wondering, can you set conifer trees again where they were once ones already set? Also, what tree would you suggest that would be hardy? Thanking you. Well, then the answer to the first part of the question is very easy and it's yes, yes, you can. There, there, there's no replant problem, if you like, with conifers. It's, it, that tends to be specific to roses. There is a thing called replant disease where you can't plant roses where you had roses before. But when it comes to conifers, you'll be fine. 
Uh, if it's wind damage, if, if they're burnt from the wind, I would look for things like Pinus. Pinus can be very good and Abies is another. But Pinus in particular is a very good, it's a conifer, it's a pine, pine tree. Uh, very good even in coastal locations. So, so I'd look for one of the Pinus varieties into your local garden centre, they'll they'll advise you in terms of height and spread of the different, because there's many, many different species of pinus. They'll advise you in, in the right one for your own needs. Okay, all right. So you're on with uh, Dahi this afternoon. Anything else coming up? Later with Dahi. I know Mallow Show is coming up very soon, oh. something over the next couple of weeks. So keep keep your eyes open for that one. And I'll be, I'll be at that. I won't be at it each day of the show, but I know I'll be there on the Friday and Saturday. So that's coming up. And, you know, it's just great to see life getting back to normal. Isn't it just, shows coming isn't on it again. Just, and, and, it, and, really it, and it shows that summer's on the way when you've got the Garden it, Festival back. It, it really does. It certainly does. OK, certainly listen, does. enjoy and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Talk then, Trish. Thanks, Thanks for that. Bye-bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle of the Irish Gardener.com. And can I give a shout out to Ellen McCarthy, Sean, and Linda who are listening to us in Lanzarote? You lucky things enjoy. Just want to say hi. By the way, if you're sending on photographs that you want us to send on to Peter, you need to have them in before 12 midday. I've sent on a few now that have come in late, and we'll get Peter to deal with them next Wednesday. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll talk morning at 10. Good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.